Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily as training camp continues. We're now heading into the final week. And it is a Monday edition, which means only one thing. He joins us every Monday. We call it Mondays with Meltzer, and we do so as Bill Meltzer from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com joins us. Bill, how you doing? I am doing well. Hockey is back. Yeah. What, what did you think of the uh, the the last two preseason games? So the ones I'm referring to are the road game in Boston and, of course, the game yeah. Saturday night against the Devils at home. Uh, I think overall – you know, we and you can almost you can almost throw out the mon- last Monday's game in, in Newark. Um, I, I think since then there's been a good progression since then. Um, each game the Flyers, in, in, in some aspects, of you know have played better than the game before. Um, now, obviously, the best game was Friday. That was just that that was good for a regular season game. It was a very entertaining hockey game. But even then, you know, even then on Saturday, that it might not have been as exciting of a game, but still the Flyers went long stretches with really good puck possession, long stretches without defending at all. Um, you're getting to the part of the preseason where, where teams are starting more of the regulars. So, you know, so I, I think that, that it's been a, been a good challenge over, over this past week. Um, they've had, they've gotten players who are coming off of injury. They, they've gotten their first or, or in some cases, two games out of the way. Um, so those are those were all positives. I I think in the I think guys that you've wanted to see step forward or, or you know in Friday's game in particular have done so. Um, yeah, you've had guys who are, are making their case for making the team. Um, uh, a Bobby Brink, for example, or on or in Saturday's game, uh, Emil Andre had his best game of camp of uh, the NHL part of camp at least. So I I think there have been there have been a lot of positive things. Um, you know what matters right now is not the the one two and one record. Uh, again, you can kind of throw out that first game against the Devils just because nobody had any legs in that game. So I I think that it's been a been a pretty constructive first week in camp, and I think what we can look for now is you get to the back end of camp. That's when you start to see the final roster battles really start to take shape a little bit more. You see more systems work. You have a couple of games this week. Tonight, obviously, and then Thursday, and that's that's the end of the preseason. Then it's prep for the opener. So now, uh, now you get down to more of the X and O kind of stuff, and uh, you know the really the, the things that, that really will shape how what kind of a start that the team will get off to this year. So, but I think for but I think in terms of the the first week, it it's been a really good thing. And second, secondly, um, you know, think fingers crossed, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's been a relatively healthy camp so far. There have been some injuries, but they've all been relatively minor up to this point. Yeah. So you hope that stays yeah. that way too. Yeah, obviously Cam Atkinson, they opted to exercise some caution because he was going to play that first preseason yeah. game in Newark that you alluded to. And then Cam York uh, missed a couple of days, but is back on the ice. So they, those, that's good news on both of those fronts. We'll get into Cam Atkinson and Sean Couturier in a moment. But Bill, how much do they weigh, you know, in these preseason games? Bobby Brink threw down a, a gauntlet in Boston yeah. with a really stellar performance. First, the assist on the power play goal by Ryan Paling, Then the goal he scored to tie the game. And then the shootout goal was really reminiscent of some Claude Giroux type moves and yeah. backhand shelves it. And then you saw him uh, on Saturday night at home against the Devils um, perform well again, setting up a goal from Wade Allison. And, you know, Emil Andre 
makes the stretch pass there to, to start that whole rush attempt. But both players also had a mistake. You know, Emil Andre, as the high point man, got a shot blocked. It was a two-on-one the other way. That tied the game for the Devils. Brink in overtime, I think he was just in between, do I get off because I've been out here a while and then three-on-three and peel to the bench at the at the Devil Blue Line, or do I stay on the ice and kind of got caught in between? But how do you weigh the good performances they have with the one mistake um, that, you know, cost them two goals in that game? I think that especially this time of year, um, sometimes those mistakes are more instructive than the good plays. Uh, maybe not one in overtime, but but because you want to see how the player responds to it, how they bounce back. Because again, the wins and losses, the wins and losses really are not what matters right now. But it, but it's good information for a coaching staff as they're evaluating talent. Mistakes are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen to the, the very best players in the game. Um, you want to see how young guys who are untested respond when that happens. Do, do they go into a shell? Do they start being too tentative? Right? Do, do they lose an element of creativity? Um, or, or Andre or didn't. No, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Does it snowball downhill? And it did not whatsoever. Um, you know, they they came right back out and they made the next play, and that's that tells you that tells you as much as you know as the good plays do because that's what you want to see in a player because they're going to be bad shifts, bad bad plays, bad periods. Bad games sometimes. How does the player respond to it? Do they get back on the horse, or or does it does it snowball downhill from there? So I think I think that's in its own way important and and, and uh, is instructive. Um, so I you know I, I think especially this time of year, and they're going to happen during the season too. You know you're not going to clean everything up uh, all season, but I you know but I but I think that it, that, it, that it tells you a lot. It tells you something about the players. Um, it, it tells you something their identity when they make a mistake. They don't abandon their game because they made a mistake. Oh, exactly, exactly, and that's part of finding, you know, finding your sea legs as as a hockey player, as a professional. I think it's important. So many in so many cases, and it's something I asked Travis Konechny, who understands that process probably better than you know better than a lot of people. That how important is it for a young player to get that taste of success to where, you know the. Every player, you know, unless they're, you know, unless they're Sidney Crosby or or whatever, has that in, come into the league, and you still have to, you know, you you think you belong, but you're not 100 percent sure you belong yet until you you feel it for yourself, you experience some of that. And a preseason game magically isn't going to do that for a player, but they're building blocks. You, you you have that little taste of success, and confidence grows from that little taste of success. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's a, a very important thing with players. You saw that with some of the young players last year. Um, a lot of the guys had, and it wasn't one magical breakthrough game, but, but in some cases they had that jump off point where they, they had a, a good night and then they had another good game the next game after that. And lo and behold, they, you know, they've had a good, good couple of weeks, a good month. And, and, you know, that, that's how it grows. Um, so all, that's all, that's all good stuff. Um, that being said, you know, September hockey is like spring training baseball. Don't mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't get too down. Don't get too excited over it. You know, it, it's going to ramp up to another level when you get into the season, and then ramp up from there as you get further into the season. Um, so, I think one thing training camp tells you too: it's a short camp, right? They they've been playing for a week. Um, this time a week ago, 
who stood out so far in camp? Who's been a little bit of a disappointment? I mean, we, we just mentioned Brink and Andre. A week ago, the perspective was, well, they didn't have the, they didn't have the best rookie games, particularly uh, particularly Brink. Um, you know, maybe not maybe not dominating rookie camp. Maybe not the best scrimmages you would have liked to have seen. Um, and and that, again, they, they they were as much part of anybody as the, the game in you know, the game in Newark, which I, I just attribute to a team wide thing. But but all of a sudden, in one game, the the perspective changes from uh, that that's who's in danger of being sent down to oh he's really knocking on the door of making the team because he had a good game, two good games. And yeah, you, you have to keep in mind that it's camp, that it's a very small sample. It, it's only really really only. Can't only been going on just over a week. And these are things we would not really do in season, right? If a player has a couple of rough games and he's on the team and then he turns around as a good game or two, we're not reading deeper meanings into it. It's just the nature of the season. Camp being as short as it is, as focused as it is on who's going to make the team to start the season. I think sometimes, sometimes, and we're all guilty of it. I know I'm guilty of it. You know, you, you, you blow it up in a little bit more than it is. All that being said, you, you want to see a game-to-game progression. And, and with those guys we just mentioned, some other guys too, There's there's been that, that progression over the last week. With Brink's performance, you know, one of the narratives out there has been, well, he just jumped ahead of Tyson Forster. You know, that's yeah. one thing that's being said. Now, Tyson Forster hasn't had the wow moments in, rookie, in the rookie game or rookie camp and, and training camp. Um, but I think it's going to take a lot more to unseat his advantage to make the lineup over Bobby Brink because he played nine games here last year. And, you know, he they know he's ready for the NHL with much more certainty than they maybe do Bobby Brink. I I, I, I think that's 100 percent true. I don't think you just throw out last season. I don't think you I don't think you throw out, you know, what, what they showed at the NHL level. Um, you know, and, and Brink, you know, he, he's coming off the surgery last year. It took him a long time, even after he did come back, missed the first half of the season. Uh, to me, there's still, a, there's still a greater comfort level as to where Forrester is in his development a, a, as a professional than there is with Brink. Um, if, if it were to come to where Brink has a great finish to camp and, and he were to start season in the NHL you know that that doesn't mean the whole season it, it's an ongoing evaluation ongoing competition um sometimes it gets into who makes the opening night roster and how that looks right then and there and then and then again you go into a, you know you go into by <laughs> by the end of the season how do we you know how much do we remember camp how much do we remember early October typically we don't because so much changes over the course of a year um so uh, to me, nothing in the bigger picture has changed as to what I saw last year and, and where guys I thought would hopefully be coming into camp. Um, guys have taken some early steps here. But but if you were to ask me, who do I feel more comfortable as being NHL ready? It, it's still going to be. Uh, it's still going to be Forrester. And and incidentally, um, you know, Samu Tuamal is still around camp here and has yeah. earned it. He's played, he's played really well in the rookie camp and uh, – you know, and, and played so well in NHL camp and even had an assist, a hardworking kind of assist at that uh, on, on Rick Gardner's goal to tie the game um, against the Devils. But if you ask me, who is more NHL ready right now? Is it Samu Tumala? You know, 
or, or is it Elliot NYA, who had, by all accounts, a disappointing camp, and nobody, I, I, I wouldn't have had him being cut as early as he was cut, but, but he didn't have, you know, he didn't have a great camp. But all, all it was ultimately was not a great week. One week uh, in a preseason out of the season, um, that doesn't erase how much progress he made last year. It doesn't erase him leading the Phantoms and goals as a rookie. It, it doesn't. It doesn't erase that he came up to the NHL and held his own in a couple of games over the latter part of the season. To me, Tumala hasn't jumped over him in the depth chart, even though he's still in camp, and, and Elliot is not. And I think that's a that's a a little mini lesson in, in taking the big picture perspective. Yeah, and it does it, it doesn't lessen your excitement about a guy like Tuomala, sure. who a lot of people had left for dead at, at this yeah, point. Sure. And Brink, sure. you know, coming off that surgery last year, and I mean, you see his playmaking ability, and it, it is something worth getting excited about. It, if he's not in on the roster at the end of this week or when they start the season, it, it's not the end of the world. Um, and I think that's important. One guy built. You used the term rebound earlier, and one guy who rebounded is a guy who doesn't want to give up rebounds. That's a goaltender. Cal yeah. Peterson in that first game, you know, very tough situation for a goaltender when you're playing behind a team clearly with dead legs. And that game got on top of them and got on top of them fast. And the Flyers ended up losing that game 6 nothing to open the preseason against the Devils. And I'm sure he's gone, you know, right back into the mental space of last year where he had a really hard time in the NHL and AHL, for that matter. And he's trying to rebuild his confidence. And he comes in halfway through a game, which anybody who's ever played the position of goaltender will tell you is not ideal <laughs> to come in yep. midway through a game. Gave up kind of a leaky goal, but boy, the mental fortitude he displayed to keep battling in that game against Boston, making some unbelievable saves in regulate the remainder of regulation, including that blocker save on Pavel Zaka, and then yep. in the overtime and the shootout as well. Um, to me, you know, that for him... I don't think that changed for me where I have him start the year, but that's got to be an enormous foundational block to rebuilding him internally, like in his own head. Uh, yeah. And uh, obviously goaltending is such a, uh, you don't you know, I need to tell you that, but it, it's such a mentally challenging and taxing position. Right. And, and it, it's so the mental side would be so fragile sometimes, particularly, you know, if Peterson was coming off of a strong year with LA you you toss out that first game just entirely, but yes, you, there was as an outside observer some of the oh boy here here we go, you know four goals in the first five fifty of the game. You never I, I don't I don't care you know I, I don't care if it's a scrimmage I don't care if it's a pickup game. You, you goalie never wants that situation, right? They plug um, in that scoreboard. You don't want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it just uh, you know, but. And it did start with kind of kind of a leaky goal when he came in or in the middle of the second period, and then yeah, that, that said something about his ability to work through that and compete, and came up with just some fantastic saves. He was he was he was legitimately outstanding in goal in that, that third period and the overtime, and you said even into the shootout. So you know while you know while we've been talking about how. It's a one-game sample, and, and you never read too much into a game or a week. Let, let's be honest. Given because it's a, a competition of three players for one spot, he needed that. He really needed that to stay in the competition because Felix Sandstrom has played well. Sam Erson has played well. And Peterson, coming off of a couple of rough years, um, you know, he's uh, an, an older goalie, 
than compared to the other guys at least. And he really, he really mentally needed that. So that uh, that that was huge for him. Um, you know, with with two preseason games left, um, I figure, you know, I, if they do the last games, a dress rehearsal for Carter Hart, or the Hart did have the a one one full game, um, and uh, it'll be up to him to a certain degree uh, of you know, do you feel you need a second? Do you feel you need a second game? Remember last year, Carter didn't really have a preseason. Um, nope. uh, he, he went, you know, he had an injury, didn't get into a game until opening night, and then he went out and he beat the Devils and, and looked really good as that game went well, he along. He went six zero and two in his first eight games yep. and a nine forty six save percentage. Yeah, it, it almost made the well. <laughs> it, it almost made the, what does trading camp even mean, right? Now you still obviously, you know. Ideally, want to want to have that time, but but still, the Flyers have some decisions to make, um, and with two games left, you're not going to get full games for all three guys. And you again, you might want to get hard the second game. So I think that I think you're you're going to see Peterson one more time, and I you, you know you'll, you'll see Sam Merce, I think for at least part of the game, yeah. even if even if Hart were to start the final one, he's already put in a one sixty minute thing. So I won't be surprised at that that one split somehow if unless he wants to go the route so what i'm saying is these guys get one more chance to make that to make that impression before those those decisions are made as to who the backup will be so he really he really needed what he did on friday to to stay in that competition but one of the most difficult decisions the flyers are gonna have to make i mean there's guys like you know igor zamola uh that are big decisions coming on not waiver exempt but really the the marquee name of the non-waiver exempt players is Wade Allison played 60 games last year. And with the, the solidification, if that's even a word of what we think is going to be the fourth line with Ryan Paling, Nick Delaria and Garnet Hathaway, it, it, it leaves a, a little bit of, okay, where does Wade Allison fit in? How does he make this team? Is he the extra forward to start? And you kind of monitor Cam Atkinson. Is, is that the route to not have to send them down? Cause I do believe he would be a guy that, would very likely get plucked on waivers. To me, he's an NHL player, yeah, I, I, a straight line game. Yeah, yeah. Now, for sure, I, I think if you look at Wade's history, when he's been healthy and, and given reasonable minutes and usage, he's been for the most part a pretty effective player in the NHL level, um, and he maybe even a borderline top nine guy. You know, I, I, I don't, I never viewed Wade Allison as a fourth line candidate. I just had injuries. And then what happens when you miss so much time with injuries is guys pass you on the depth chart. That, that's just you know, that's the nature of the business. Um, I, I think Wade Allison is an NHL hockey player. Um, I you know I, I think that uh, he could compete for regular ice time, and and it's an ongoing thing over the course of a season. Um, so I do think he would be at risk of being taken off of waivers um, because. Because of what we were just saying, that, that he's shown that at the, the NHL level when he's been healthy, um, I, I, I don't think I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if he starts as a thirteenth forward. You know, work your way into the lineup, and inevitably there are going to be injuries. Um, you know, they had him a little bit on his on his off wing. He's usually been a right wing guy, and um, you know, so if he gives the versatility to play either side, and it's comfortable in his backhand, if you have to move him to the left, because the Flyers have a lot of natural right wing. Fingers, but they are a little needier on the, on the left side. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. I, I would like to continue to see Wade Allison be part of this hockey team, see where 
see what he can do if healthy and given an opportunity to play. Um, you know, I, a guy like uh, Tanelzinski, I think, is in that boat to a certain degree, but he's shown less at the NHL level. I think there's a better chance right now, at least, of getting Luzinski through waivers, going down to the Phantoms, and you could call him up, you know, as you need to. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think the book is closed on, on Wade Allison. I think that he said, you know, most players have had some ups and downs in, in camp, but he's also he's also had some some pretty good moments along the way, too, even, even apart from the goal he scored uh, on yeah. Saturday night. So, I, I, to me, he's part of that mix and part of the, part of that depth you need. He's a, I think he's a pretty quality player, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him in a more of a top-nine role playing with somebody that can get him the puck to release yeah. that shot. I mean, that's a big weapon for him. just don't yeah. think we've seen it quite enough yet. And, um, you know, playing with some skilled guys, that, that could certainly help. Um, last thing, Bill. Um, we have now seen Sean Couturier play in not one but two games. We've seen Cam Atkinson play in a game, and on his first shift, he initiated contact, didn't take a hit. He delivered a hit. And I talked to him at the first intermission and just said, yeah, I'm assuming that was part of your plan. You wanted to get some contact and – you know, get that first period under your belt. And now it's just about moving forward and pointing, getting your game in order to point towards a regular season, uh, which will begin in less than two weeks. Uh, but both yeah. players have now played in games and all's well that, uh, you know, at this point, both players, you know, they have some work to do, some refinement on their game, but neither player looks like a, a stark difference to what they were in the way they're moving and, and the way they're kind of attacking this training camp. Yeah, and it wasn't like they were they were spotted playing twelve minutes either. You know, they they both guys played twenty minutes in an, yeah. an exhibition game, and that that yeah. was that was that's by design too. But you know, yeah. if, you, if you stretch them and see how ready they are to to jump into regular season game situations, um, as you said, they're they're going to be some timing timing things. You know, you, you want to see how when they hit the first back to back, how how they look in the second game, phys- and how they feel physically. You know, but the biggest hurdle, getting back out there, getting through a game, um, initiating some physicality. And that was that was clearly part of, of Atkinson's game plan going into that game. Yep. He was looking for the first opportunity to, uh, and, you know, and, and it's not a, it wasn't any kind of a, you know, a highlight real hit. It was just contact. But you need yep. that. It's going to happen in, in competing. So that was that was another hurdle within that. Um, and. You know, then then you look at okay, how they look in their second game, right? And and Kentori, it had been a few days. It had been Monday to Saturday with an off day in between there, but I thought he looked better on Saturday than his first time out. The first time out, you're you're only wondering, you know, your biggest thing is get through the game and you feel okay physically. Um, and does he look and, and you I know, thought, restricted in any way? No, no, at all. Yeah, that's, you look for that. It didn't seem restricted in, in, in any way. And and Atkinson by the third period actually had a couple scoring chances no they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't go the way you'd want the scoring chances to go necessarily but the whole the whole point is recovering your game and i thought i thought it was a good step for both guys in, in doing that yeah and we saw I, I think like you see the the stick on puck with couturier those details of his game they were omnipresent once again yeah. just like they are with noah cates who played over 21 minutes the other night as well so um camp rolls on big decisions coming up this week and uh We'll be following along on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, also on NHL.com and HockeyBuzz.com. Bill, thanks for doing this great stuff. It's going to be a very intriguing and important week for the organization. And we'll be back tomorrow and we'll recap 
Flyers Bruins, which takes place tonight. And we'll bring you another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great Monday, everybody. 